My name is Jamon McKinney, or you can just call me Juice because that is my nickname. Welcome, everyone, to the Juice Alert, episode number 23. If you have not subscribed to the Juice Alert already, be sure to do that right about now. You will not regret it. You can find it on YouTube as well as podcasting platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that great stuff. I have a great show lined up for you guys today. We're going to talk about, you know, Super Bowl 55 contenders. We're we're halfway through the 2020 NFL season. So who are the Super Bowl contenders as we speak today? We'll discuss the top 10 NFL teams as we speak today in 2020, halfway through the season. We'll talk about Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have a great show lined up for you guys, like I said. Also, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter if you want to connect with me on a very high note or if you want to troll me or get at me in any any type of way. That's the way to connect with me. You can follow me on Instagram. My main Instagram account is G-H-I-M-A-N underscore M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. The Juice Alerts Instagram account. So the Instagram account for updates when it comes to the show. That Instagram account is the Juice Alert underscore. And you can also follow those two accounts on Twitter as well. The Juice Alerts Twitter account is the is at the Juice Alert. And my personal Twitter account is at G-H-I-M-A-N-M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. Okay, folks, let's jump right into the show right here. I want to talk about Daniel Jones, the starting quarterback for the New York Football Giants. So this past Monday night, Daniel Jones and the New York Giants in week number nine of the 2020 NFL season lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 25-23. to Now, I understand that some Giants fans are upset about the outcome of the game. There's a very controversial pass interference call at the end of the game. But listen, guys, you know, when you're a bad football team, you don't get those calls. You know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Drew Brees, they'll usually get those calls. Unfortunately, the Giants have been a bad team. Daniel Jones, he's not an established quarterback. The Giants, they're just not not going to get that call. And for what it's worth, Daniel Jones was late on that throw as well. So if he was earlier on the throw, you probably wouldn't have had the pass interference call in the first place. So Giants, you got to hold that L. But... I want to zero in on Daniel Jones because I'm starting to really, really lose faith in Daniel Jones as a starting quarterback. I never, I never really felt that he was a franchise quarterback in the offseason. I said that he has potential if you build a proper roster around him. But as time has gone on, and based on what I've been watching during the 2020 NFL season, I'm kind of out on Daniel Jones. Now I'm going to give him the final eight games to prove me wrong and show me that he is the legit future of the New York Football Giants. But as of right now, today, I'm leaning towards Daniel Jones is not the future of the Giants. Now, in the Buccaneers game, the Giants vastly outplayed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to be honest with you guys, the Buccaneers, they're easily one of the five most talented teams in all of football. And I understand that if you're a Giants fan, you're saying, well, we were in the game, I'm happy. But the Giants should have won that game. They outgained the Buccaneers. They were better on third down. The, you know, they, they um, ran the football more effectively. But the reason the Giants lost this game and the reason the Giants have been losing a lot of games this year is because Daniel Jones was just simply not good enough. He had two costly turnovers in the game. He missed several opportunities down the field. There were wide open wide receivers down the field. Daniel Jones just missed them. There's There were touchdown passes that he missed. There were misreads. And like I said, those two interceptions that he threw, they were just as bad as you can get, man. Um, And listen, I'm going to say this right now. If Daniel Jones does not fix his turnover issues, he will become a backup quarterback. 
if Daniel Jones does not clean it up within the next eight games or next season, if he gets another, if he gets another opportunity and he continues to turn the football over, he's going to be a backup quarterback sooner rather than later. Okay, I get Jameis Winston vibes when I refer to Daniel Jones. And the sad thing about this comparison is that Jameis Winston, he has a cannon for arm. Jameis Winston easily has one of the five, he has one of the five to seven best arms in the NFL in regards to arm strength. Daniel Jones, his arm is just okay. So Giants fans, there's not a lot to hang your hat on when it comes to Daniel Jones if he continues to turn the football over at the rate that he's turning the football over. As talented as Jameis Winston was, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers eventually had to move on because he was just way too inconsistent. And that's the same type of vibe that I'm getting from Daniel Jones, the New York Football Giants starting quarterback. He's just too inconsistent. He just makes way too many boneheaded plays for me to say, as of right now, that guy's a long-term franchise quarterback. As of right now, Daniel Jones, he's not close to being a long-term franchise quarterback. He's not even close. Not even close. Because more times than not, Daniel Jones is just consistently inconsistent. Sometimes he'll make really good throws within the game that get you excited. He'll run for a first down or two. He'll show off some athleticism. There are some good things to like about Daniel Jones. But one thing that we know for a fact, based on based on Daniel Jones' first 20 starts in the NFL, and like I and, and listen, we're 20 starts into Daniel Jones' career. This is a big enough sample size to truly evaluate him as of right now. Now, usually I, I like to give quarterbacks about three years to prove themselves. But listen, if you're consistently making the same mistakes over and over, and it's obvious you're just not that good, you know, through 20 games, that's enough of a sample size for me to really determine, you know, what you probably are going to be as a starting quarterback. Now, like I said, I'm not here to judge Daniel Jones. I'm going to just see how the rest of the season plays out, and maybe he gets another opportunity next year. We'll see what he does. The Giants are not going to make the playoffs this year. I guarantee you that. But listen, man, we're 20 games into Daniel Jones' career, and he has turned the football over 36 times. That's being in Ryan Leaf territory, people. He's in Ryan Leaf territory. He turns the football over that much. And the fact is, the New York Football Giants are 1-7 in 2020. And guess what? They've lost five games by one possession. And Daniel Jones, he has been holding the New York Football Giants back in these losses. In five of the, in five of the losses that are by one possession, Daniel Jones has 10 turnovers in those games. So in the five one-possession losses, Daniel Jones has turned the ball over once again 10 times. That's not good enough. That's not going to cut it. Daniel Jones is clearly holding the New York Football Giants offense back. And to be honest with you, if Daniel Jones was more consistent, the New York Giants would have won one or two more games already. Joe Judge has this team moving in the right direction. I was wrong about Joe Judge, at least up to this point. Joe Judge has this team playing hard. They're, they're, they're scrappy. They don't, they're well prepared each week. They're a well coached football team. You can be a bad football team and still be well coached. Right now, the Giants are just not a very talented team, but you can tell based on the way they play, they're a well-coached, they're a well-coached football team. Every single week, minus the 49ers game, the Giants at some point have been competitive in their games. And Daniel Jones consistently 
has held this team back. He just has, okay? And a lot of people are going to say, well, what about Daniel Jones' wide receiver core? What about the offensive line? What about the parts around him? And that's fair. Right now, I'm not asking Daniel Jones to go out there and win a bunch of games. I'm not asking him to go out there and make the playoffs. But listen, some of Daniel Jones' biggest struggles have nothing to do with the talent around him. Nothing to do with it. I've, I've, I've always said, control the things that you can control. And Daniel Jones, at times, has made very poor decisions. He needs to control that better. He's not done a good, he's not done a good job of, of protecting the football. He can control that. That's something that he can get better at. That has nothing to do with wide receiver talent, offensive line play. No. Hold on to the football, stop fumbling, and stop making bad reads, and stop throwing ill-advised interceptions, okay? Daniel Jones is trying to force things way too much, and also, he's missed some open wide receivers down the field. He's not had a consistent, accurate deep ball all season. His deep balls hit and miss. And I understand it has not been the ideal offseason for Daniel Jones. But you can say the same thing about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And those guys are rookies. And they're out there balling. What's Daniel Jones' excuse for being in his second season in the NFL? Those guys are rookies. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're rookies. And Joe Burrow, he took over the worst team in all of football. When we look at what Joe Burrow is dealing with, he's had a terrible offensive line. His offensive line is just as bad as Daniel Jones. His defense has not been good all year. Joe Burrow's had to carry a bad roster, and he has responded to the challenge, and he's playing off the charts. And Daniel Jones last year gave me some hope. He gave me some promise. 24 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, and 12 games played. But he has regressed on the year. Seven touchdown passes, nine interceptions, a 73.9 passer rating. He doesn't have a great arm. You know, it's a good arm. You know, it's an above average arm, but it's not a special arm. You know, we could talk about Daniel Jones being a, being a good athlete, but if you have horrible, atrocious pocket presence, being a good athlete doesn't matter if you can't feel pressure. Daniel Jones' pocket presence is horrific. It's awful. It's terrible. He is probably amongst, among all starting quarterbacks, the worst pocket presence in the entire NFL. That's why he fumbles the football so much because he can't dodge defenders because half the time he doesn't even see the defenders coming his way. Daniel Jones, as of right now, has not been impressive. I was not a fan of Daniel Jones when he was coming out of Duke. I felt the Giants definitely reached for him. I was not sold that he would become a franchise quarterback. Last year, he kind of gave me a little bit of hope. But as of right now, I am leaning towards Daniel Jones is not the guy. He has a lot to prove the rest of the way in 2020. And listen, New York Football Giants fans, if you have an opportunity, to draft Trevor Lawrence and move on from Daniel Jones, you need to do it. Because Daniel Jones' ceiling is a good quarterback. Trevor Lawrence's ceiling, that guy can be an elite NFL quarterback. He's a much better prospect than what Daniel Jones was when Daniel Jones was coming out of Duke. His arm is better. You know, I'd argue he's just as good of an athlete as Daniel Jones. Moves much better in the pocket. Makes much more better decisions, you know, is just a better thrower of the football, just flat out a better quarterback point blank period. And if Justin Fields is also available, you need to take a hard look at Justin Fields because he fits today's NFL. I look at Justin Fields and I see a guy that could be that could maybe become Deshaun Watson one day. He's that good. He's got a, a big time arm, a better arm than Daniel Jones. He's more accurate. He makes better decisions. He can run the football like a running back. Justin Fields fits today's NFL and he's a better prospect than what Daniel Jones was. And going forward, if I were to project how play, how both players would you know translate to the pros, I've already seen Jones. I think that you know Justin Fields can hit the ground running, you know, very similar to how Daniel Jones hit the ground running last year, and he just flat out has a higher ceiling. 
If you are in position to draft Trevor Lawrence, you 100% do it. If you are in position to draft Justin Fields, you need to give that a hard look. Because when I project what Justin Fields can become, he laps Daniel Jones. He just does. So in reality, people, I'm not completely sold on Daniel Jones right now. He's got a lot to prove these final eight games. And the Giants are in position to draft another quarterback. They probably need to do it because I was not a huge fan of Daniel Jones at number six overall. I thought he was a huge reach. And ultimately, I think the writing's on the wall. And listen. If Dave Gettleman gets fired, whether I believe in Daniel Jones or not, Daniel Jones more than likely probably has his days numbered as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Because Dave Gettleman, he's the person that drafted Daniel Jones. So once Dave Gettleman's out the building, Daniel Jones, he loses all leverage, people. Because I guarantee you, there are not a lot of general managers out there as of right now that are, that are willing to put their name to Daniel Jones being the leading franchise quarterback for their billion-dollar franchise. They're just not going to do it. They would much rather put their name to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or someone else on the free agent market, probably, potentially. So in reality, if Daniel Jones does not fix his turnover issues, he will be a backup quarterback in the NFL one day. We shall see how the final eight games play out for Daniel Jones. If you're Daniel Jones, you better start winning some football games. You better start being more consistent because if the Giants are picking top three in the draft and they have an opportunity to move on from Daniel Jones, I guarantee you they most likely will make that move. If Daniel Jones does not turn things around quickly, he very well could be a backup quarterback very, very soon. Okay, everyone, I want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, mainly the Baltimore Ravens and specifically Lamar Jackson. So in week number eight of the 2020 NFL season, the Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens on the road 28-24. to And I spoke on the Steelers roughly about two weeks ago. This is a team that easily could win the Super Bowl. They're the only undefeated team remaining. They do have the Dallas Cowboys up next on their schedule. They will roll the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have been a have been an awful football team all season long. They'll probably get that win. Pittsburgh, they're looking pretty good. Ben Rosberger, he's back. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. They have an excellent defense. This is a team that easily can win the Super Bowl. Okay, so great win for the Steelers. But before I get to Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, I want to point this out before I forget to point it out. Ronnie Stanley got injured during the Steelers game this past week, and now he is he is completely out for the rest of the 2020 NFL season. That is huge for the Baltimore Ravens and their offensive line. They already lost Marshall Yonda due to retirement this year. And losing Ronnie Stanley, one of the best left tackles in the entire NFL, that's a huge blow to the Baltimore Ravens. And it could be a huge blow to their Super Bowl 55 chances. No doubt about it, okay? Now, when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, I've seen this team play every single game in 2020. And my takeaway from the Ravens so far, especially after they just lost at home to the Steelers this past week, my takeaway on the Baltimore Ravens is that Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens cannot be trusted during the 2020 NFL playoffs. They are, they're not a Super Bowl contender. The two clear-cut Super Bowl contenders in the AFC are clearly the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And while the Ravens do have a better roster than the Tennessee Titans, I picked the Tennessee Titans over the Baltimore Ravens in a heartbeat as we speak today because I saw the Tennessee Titans destroy the Baltimore Ravens at home last year. And this Tennessee Titans team, they're a better football team than last year. And in my opinion, the Baltimore Ravens are a worse football team than last year. So right now, as far as the AFC goes on the total pole, 
I have the Chiefs, I have the Steelers, and I have the Titans ahead of the Ravens in the AFC hierarchy as far as teams that I trust to make a run at Super Bowl 55. I don't trust the Ravens. I don't trust them to beat the Chiefs. I don't trust them to beat the Steelers. I just saw them lose a very winnable game to the Steelers at home. And I don't trust them versus the Titans. The frustrating thing about this past game for the Baltimore Ravens is the Ravens, they had more first downs than the Steelers. They were better on third down. They outgained the Steelers. In fact, they rushed for 265 yards and controlled the time of possession on the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you told me all those things were going to happen heading into this Ravens game versus Pittsburgh in week eight of the 2020 NFL season, I'd tell you Baltimore rolled. But they lost. And the loss falls on former MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, he's a very good quarterback. Definitely at worst a top 10 quarterback as we speak today. Lamar Jackson, he's dynamic. He's flashy. He makes big, he makes big time plays. You know, he's great. He's a very good quarterback. But Lamar Jackson came up small versus the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I'm sorry, but 46% completion percentage, 208 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and a QBR of 12.6? That's not going to cut it. Lamar Jackson was not good in this game. He's the main culprit as to why the Baltimore Ravens lost this game. The Baltimore Ravens turned the football over four times. All four of those turnovers were via Lamar Jackson. He had a pick six on the first possession of the game. He fumbled in the red zone twice. And he also threw an interception in the third quarter that gave the Pittsburgh Steelers perfect field position that led to a touchdown. And time and time again, I see Lamar Jackson coming up small versus Kansas City. Coming up small versus the Los Angeles Chargers in the playoffs. Versus the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs. Versus now the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are in his own division. The Ravens, they're not the best team in their own division. I just don't trust Lamar Jackson to win playoff games at this point. Lamar Jackson is going to have to prove me wrong. In fact, in two career playoff games, Lamar Jackson, 51% completion percentage, three touchdown passes, three interceptions, and a 68 passer rating. And this Ravens team struggles to win games when they fall behind. And, this, and in this game, they had a lead more times than not, and they still found a way to blow this game. And also, when I look at this Baltimore Ravens wide receiver core, you know, I can blame Lamar Jackson. I, you know, he deserves a lot of blame. But I think the wide receiver core deserves some blame as well because outside of Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Mark Andrews, you're crossing your fingers for Willie Sneed and Devin Duvenary. And I like Devin Duvenary, but he's not flashed as a rookie. You know, Willie Sneed is a decent wide receiver, but he should not be your number two on a championship team. This Ravens team, they don't have the weapons. Their star left tackle is out for the season now. Lamar Jackson, he has not shown that he can elevate under pressure in the playoffs and versus the Chiefs and versus the Steelers and versus the Titans. Three teams that he will have to go through to win the Super Bowl, at least get to the Super Bowl. Not to mention, you have to go through Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or even Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the, in the, in the Super Bowl. Do you trust Lamar Jackson to go blow for blow? with Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, or Aaron Rodgers in a Super Bowl? I just don't. Lamar Jackson has come up small way too many times. I love Lamar Jackson. He's fun to watch. He deserved every single vote that he got for MVP last year. But I'm sorry. I cannot trust Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens until they prove me otherwise in the 2020 NFL playoffs. They got boat raced by Kansas City. They don't match up with Pittsburgh, and they don't match up with Tennessee. Baltimore is not a Super Bowl contender, and Lamar Jackson and this team cannot be trusted in the playoffs in 2020. 
Okay, people, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I will talk about Tua Tungamailoa and how his NFL debut went versus the Los Angeles Rams. Don't go anywhere, people. I will be right back. This is Jamon McKinney, and you are t- and you are tuned into the Juice Alert. Okay, everyone, I am back. Let me talk about Tua Tungavailoa. So Tua Tungavailoa, the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback as we speak today in 2020, he made his NFL debut versus the Los Angeles Rams in week eight of the 2020 NFL season. And the Miami Dolphins got a very good win. 28 to 17 was the final score, you know, and I got to say, before I get to Tua, the Miami Dolphins are heading in the right direction. Right now, the Miami Dolphins are first in the NFL as far as points per game are allowed. They have a very solid running game. Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki are two good weapons. One's a wide receiver, that is Devontae Parker, and one's a tight end, Mike Kosicki. Brian Flores and this coaching staff continue to amaze me. Miami's moving in the right direction, and they got a great win versus a Los Angeles Rams team that, to me, is a legit playoff team. They got some really good players, and they have a really good coaching staff as well. So, good win for Miami. Now, let's focus in on Tua Tungavailoa. I was not impressed with Tua Tungavailoa's 2020 NFL debut. I just wasn't. On the first possession of the game, Tua put the football on the ground. He fumbled. He was he was blitzed. He was, he was under pressure, and he fumbled the football, and that gave the Los Angeles Rams an opportunity to score seven points. They capitalized off that turnover, and they scored seven points. He missed a simple bubble screen throw. You know, he wasn't all that accurate, honestly. You know, he made some good throws, you know, when the when the wide receivers were wide open. But when he was pressured, you know, he, he missed some throws. You know, he wasn't all that spectacular. You know, he just really wasn't. On the day, 12 for 22 passing. That's a 54% completion percentage. He had a, he had a measly 93 yards, one touchdown, and an 80 pass rating, along with a 25 QBR, which is not very good. And the Dolphins' defense played great. Their special teams played great as well. That's what led to the victory. Now, Tua Tungabaloa did throw a nice touchdown pass to Devontae Parker. Gotta give him a lot of credit for that touchdown pass. It was a quick throw into a little tight window, and he, and he fit that ball in there. But outside of the touchdown pass to Devontae Parker, there's nothing that I truly can hang my hat on in regards to Tua Tungabaloa. Now, I'm not putting any judgment on Tua as a quarterback, just because I never judge a quarterback after one NFL start. I usually like to give quarterbacks about three years till I truly determine what they can become. So Tua, if he plays relatively well, and if he's consistent, I'm willing to give him three years to really evaluate him, okay? But I just wasn't impressed. Now, this upcoming week, I'm really going to have my eyes on Tua Tungabailoa, because this upcoming week, is going to be a very big test for Tua in his second career NFL start. He's going to be going up against Kyler Murray, who to me is already one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. So we're going to see him face off against a real quarterback that's in the MVP conversation. Not to mention, he's on the road, not at home, not off a bye week. He's going to be coming off, he's going to be going through a normal week. He'll be traveling on the road to face the Arizona Cardinals, who most likely are going to make the playoffs this year. And now teams have filmed on Tua Tungabailoa, okay? So we're going to see what Tua does, but my, my other takeaway from this game was the Dolphins sort of protected Tua. Meanwhile, when Kyler Murray was a rookie, the Arizona Cardinals gave him the entire playbook from day number one. 
They did the, the Los Angeles Chargers did the same thing with Justin Herbert and the Cincinnati Bengals did the same thing with Joe Burrow. Now all quarterbacks develop at a at a different pace, you know. Maybe two is more of a slower learner. You know, I understand that he's coming off a major injury. You know, back when he was at Alabama, he did bang himself up a lot at Alabama. He had to go through he had to go through multiple surgeries. It's been a long road of recovery for Tua Tungavailoa, and it's been a long time since he's actually played a real NFL game. He didn't go through preseason games, didn't go through OTAs. It was a very weird offseason for all rookie quarterbacks, and let's be real. You know, he's only played in one game, so I'm not going to judge Tua. However, even when a quarterback is winning, sometimes I can see his fool's gold, okay? Because Mitchell Trubisky, four years into his career, guess what? He has a winning record, but guess what? Not one time was I sold on Mr. Trubisky as a franchise quarterback. Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez got the multiple AFC title games. Not one time did I think Mark Sanchez was a long-term franchise quarterback. Case Keenum. Case Keenum has gotten to an NFC Championship game. But Case Keenum's not a franchise quarterback. You can win games in the NFL as a quarterback if you have a good roster, a good coaching staff, and you, and you have a good supporting cast. You're going to win football games. And Tua... He's probably going to win football games on the Miami Dolphins because Tua really didn't have to do a whole lot in his week, in his, in his first ever game in the NFL to go out there and get the win. The defense and the special teams and the coaching staff did all the work. Tua was just out, was just put out there and said, Hey, don't screw things up, kid. But eventually Tua is going to have to make plays. He's going to fit the ball in the tight windows. He's got to go toe to toe with Kyler Murray, with Josh Allen, you know, with Cam Newton when he faces the Patriots later in the season, you know? He's got to go toe-to-toe with some of these quarterbacks, and at some point, things are not going to be comfortable for Tua Tungabailoa. And at some point, the NFL is going to get a book on Tua Tungabailoa, and they're going to say, hey, we're going to take this away from Tua because he does that well. And then guess what? Tua, he's going to have to pivot. He's going to have to make the adjustments. And, you know, I never really understood the whole hype behind Tua as a prospect. I just never did. Like I said, you know, in the past versus Georgia the second time around after the AFC, after he won the national title the very next year, Georgia got, got film on him and did not play good versus Georgia in the SEC title game. Jalen Hurts saved his butt in that game. I looked at the Clemson game in the national title game. It was not great. The Mississippi State tape was not great. When Tua was put on an even playing field in college, it concerned me. And now Tua is going against grown men in the NFL and he kind of looks small out there. He just looked, I'm not going to say Tua looked overwhelmed, but I see an average arm. I don't see a lot of great physical traits that I can hang my hat on. Even accuracy, that's what Tua is known for. Him being so accurate, he completed 54% of his passes. Nine first downs for the Miami Dolphins. I'm just not impressed, you know. And listen, when you're a smaller quarterback like a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray, you have to be exceptional at something. Russell Wilson throws an exceptional deep ball. He's a, he's a rocket for an arm. Same with Kyler Murray. And both of those guys are one, are one of the five best athletes at the quarterback position in the National Football League. Tua, he's small, doesn't, doesn't have a big arm, and he's been injured in the past based on his Alabama track record. If you have a small quarterback with the average arm and he's not a great athlete, and there are questions about his, his, his injury history, I worry a little bit. So again, not trying to judge Tua too much right here. I'm just saying I don't see the it factor. The minute I saw Joe Burrow step onto the NFL field, I say, yep, that guy can play at a high level. Same thing with Justin Herbert. 
Same thing with Kyler Murray. Even Josh Allen at times, even though he misses, even though Josh Allen misses open wide receivers, that guy's a rocket for an arm. Same thing with Ben Roethlisberger. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is one of the best athletes in the entire NFL. Aaron Rodgers, special arm. I'm just trying to see what I can hang my hat on in regards to Tua. What does Tua do that's special? Where is the special sauce? Maybe I'm going to see it in week number in his second game in his career versus Arizona. Maybe, I, maybe I'm going to see it next week. Maybe I'm going to see it after that. We shall see, but I will say, here's something to keep your eye on. The Miami Dolphins basically said the reason why we moved on from Ryan Fitzpatrick is because we have the Houston Texans draft pick this year. We have their first-round pick. And Houston, they're not a good football team. They'll most likely be picking in the top five or top ten. And if the Dolphins have an opportunity to draft a quarterback, if Tua doesn't look the part, they could do that. That is something that has been put on the table for the Miami Dolphins. Not trying to be too hard on Tua. I can't wait to see Tua play versus Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. But as of right now, not quite sold on Tua. And I did have my questions about him coming out of college. And some of those questions might be coming to fruition. Okay. Let me talk about the MVP race for the 2020 NFL season. So we're halfway through the NFL season. And as of right now, Russell Wilson, to me, is the NFL MVP. He gets my first place vote. I'm going to go over my top five MVP candidates. Then I'll give my um, reasoning as to why I have Russell Wilson as the number one candidate. Number one is Russell Wilson right now. He's playing amazing. We'll get to him in a minute, like I said. Up next for me at number two, number two in my MVP race is Aaron Rodgers. 24 touchdowns, two interceptions, a 117 pass rating. His team is 6-2. and two. He's playing some great football. He's been putting up good numbers, even though Devontae Adams has missed, has missed a couple games, even though Alan Lazar has missed a couple games. Aaron Rodgers, he's been out the charts. Patrick Mahomes, he's up next for me. 21 touchdowns, one interception, a 115 pass rating, a 7-1 record. Patrick Mahomes, he's not slowing down one bit. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, for me, is at number four on my MVP race list, okay? He's got 20 total touchdowns on the year, only thrown seven interceptions. His team has a 5-2 and two record. A lot of people did not expect Arizona to be a playoff team this year. I was one of the people that did pick Arizona to be a playoff team, but Kyler Murray defying the odds. He's playing great. And Kyler Murray has an outside shot to rush for 1,000 yards this year and to throw for 4,000 yards this year. He'll most likely get to 4,000 passing yards. He's on pace to just be short of 1,000 yards. But if Kyler Murray can rush for, for like 900 yards and throw for 4,000 passing yards and get 30 passing touchdowns, that's amazing in itself. But Kyler Murray, you know, he's, he's, on, he's at number four for me. Tom Brady, he's changed the culture in Tampa Bay. The team is 6-2 and two through eight games. He's got 20 touchdowns to four interceptions, a 103 pass rating. Tom Brady's been great. But the reason why Russell Wilson stands ahead of the pack is, the, is for a couple reasons, okay? For a couple reasons. Number one, he has the Seattle Seahawks as the number one seed in the NFC halfway through the season. Look at what Russell Wilson is doing. 71% completion percentage, 2,151 yards, 26 touchdown passes, six interceptions, and a 20 Point eight pass rating. Russell Wilson is on pace to throw for over 50 touchdown passes in a season. He's on pace to do that. He'd be one of four players in history to accomplish that feat if he gets to 50 touchdown passes this season. That That's phenomenal. That would be truly phenomenal, okay? And also, Russell Wilson, he's running the football effectively on the ground as well. 
260 yards on the year, running the football. Russell Wilson's ability to extend plays with his legs definitely really aids the Seattle Seahawks in that regard. You know, the offensive line has not been great this year. In fact, heading into the season, the Seattle Seahawks had the 28th ranked offensive line according to Pro Football Focus. Now, their offensive line is better than number 28, in my opinion, based on the based on what I've seen this year, but it's not a great offensive line. Not to mention, the Seattle Seahawks have the worst total defense in the entire NFL. Worse than the Jets, worse than the Jaguars, worse than any team in the NFL right now as we speak today at the time of this segment. The Seattle Seahawks have the worst defense in football as far as total defense, and Russell Wilson has them as the number one seed in the NFC. And also, the Seattle Seahawks are 4-1 and one in one-possession games. Every time Russell Wilson has the ball in a one-possession game, more times than not, he's going to come through for you. He came through versus Dallas. He came through versus New England. He came through versus Minnesota. And even in the loss that even in the loss they took to the Arizona Cardinals on the road, that game went to overtime, and he still had 400 total yards and three touchdowns. So even in a loss, Russell Wilson balled out. So in reality, Aaron Rodgers in any other season would probably be the leading candidate to win the 2020 NFL MVP. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. But in reality, despite Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Tom Brady all playing at a high level, I believe Russell Wilson, halfway through the season, should get your vote for the 2020 NFL MVP. Not saying Russell Wilson is going to win the NFL MVP because you got Mahomes, you got you got Aaron Rodgers right on his heels. But in reality, as we speak today, Russell Wilson is the 2020 NFL MVP. Okay, people, we're halfway through the NFL season. We've gotten a book on a lot of teams. We know who's good. We know we know who's bad. I'm going to give you guys my top 10 NFL teams at the halfway point of the 2020 NFL season. Let's get that started. Let's go from the bottom and get to the top, and then I'll give a whole synopsis on how I felt these teams kind of shaped out on my list. So at number 10, I have the Arizona Cardinals. Number 9, Tennessee Titans. Number 8, New Orleans Saints. Number 7, Los Angeles Rams. Number 6, Baltimore Ravens. Number 5, Green Bay Packers. Number 4, Seattle Seahawks. Number 3, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number 2, Pittsburgh Steelers. And number 1, I have the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So, let's start from the top. Kansas City, to me, is the number one team so far. I know they did lose to the to the Las Vegas Raiders early in the season, but Kansas City, they've been super impressive. They've still got the best player in football in Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid's an excellent head coach. I believe they already have the best roster in the entire NFL. And we could talk about Mahomes in the offense, but keep in mind, this team is third in points per game allowed on defense. So they have a top five defense statistically. They're 12th in rushing. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, as we speak today, they're starting running back. He's third in the NFL in rushing yards. Not to mention, this team added Le'Veon Bell. They're a pretty darn good football team. They get the number one spot for me. Pittsburgh Steelers are number two. There's no real weakness to the Pittsburgh Steelers. My only concern for Pittsburgh is they have won four one-possession games, and even the Eagles and Giants game was kind of close from time to time. But they're a very good team with very few weaknesses. 
they easily could win Super Bowl 55. They did block Cleveland earlier in the year. They, they usually always block Cleveland. But yeah, Pittsburgh, not a whole lot of holes. Big Ben's playing well. The defense is sound. It's very, very good. You know, the offensive line is great. They've got weapons for days at wide receiver. Chase Claypool is a star. Juju's good. Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron at tight end. He's really good. Pittsburgh at number two. They're the one team in the AFC, in my opinion, that's perfectly built to beat Kansas City. Not saying they're going to beat Kansas City, but they have the horses to do it. Number three from East Tampa Bay. They were my Super Bowl 55 pick. I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl in the offseason. Now, I'm not moving off that pick officially, but as we speak today, I think that on a neutral field, Pittsburgh and Kansas City would beat Tampa Bay. My, my questions with Tampa Bay are, they're a little inconsistent. One week, they're destroying the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders. The next minute, they're barely beating the Chargers. They're barely beating the Giants. And they did lose to Chicago and New Orleans. And I wonder down the stretch if Father Time is going to catch up to Tom Brady. That's just a, that's just a slight concern I have, but they're number three for me. Number four, Seattle. Between Green Bay and Seattle, I think Green Bay is actually more talented than Seattle. But as of right now, at the time of this, at the time of this segment, Seattle's been more consistent. And you know, my my concern with Seattle is they depend way too much on Russell Wilson and that offense. They have, the, they have the number one scoring offense, but as I mentioned earlier, the worst total defense in the entire NFL, and they're 24 from points per game. Can their defense get enough stops to win the Super Bowl? Maybe, maybe not. We shall see. Green Bay, a lot to like with Green Bay. Elite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, star wide receiver in Devontae Adams, a star running back in Aaron Jones, one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL. Matt LaFleur seems to be one of the most underrated head coaches in all of football. Jair Alexander at the cornerback position has been playing phenomenal this year. And Green Bay, they do have a decent pass rush. My problem with Green Bay is they did not make a move at the trading deadline. And while they're very good, I'm not sure if they're ready to tussle with Pittsburgh, uh, Tampa Bay, and Kansas City. There is a slight gap between those teams and Green Bay. And Green Bay at times has shown they can get pushed around by physical football teams. But I will say, if Aaron Rodgers is hot and they can run the football and hold teams to under 30 points, they can win the Super Bowl. Up next is Baltimore. Really, the thing about Baltimore that I mentioned earlier is I don't trust Lamar Jackson come playoff time. Ronnie Stanley's out for the year, and their wide receiver court is not its not impressive to me. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, eh, he's good, but not great. Mark Andrews, he's a good tight end, but in big games, he disappears. And the teams that Baltimore is going to have to go through are the Titans, are the Chiefs, and the Steelers. And in the past two, two years, they have not matched up particularly well with those teams. So that's how I feel about Baltimore in regards to their chances there at number six for me. The Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they're a really good football team, but they're a, little, they're a little too inconsistent for me. And they really don't have a signature win. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the, the Philadelphia Eagles. They've beaten the Giants. They've beaten Washington. They've gotten fat on the NFC Leafs. They got four wins versus teams in the worst division of all football. The only signature win they have is versus Chicago. Okay, they beat Chicago. Congratulations. Chicago's not a great team. They're not even on this list. And they lost to Buffalo. They lost to the 49ers. And they lost to Miami. So the Rams, they're a good team, but not a great team. They're at number seven. Number eight, got to go with the Saints. The Saints are a talented team, but I want to know if Drew Brees can that, can make enough big boy throws to win the Super Bowl. And if you bracket Michael Thomas, 
and limit Alvin Kamara, I don't think the Saints have a second. I don't think the Saints have a second or third punch. I really don't. And their secondary has been very inconsistent all year, but they're at number eight. The Titans, eh, they're a good team. You could actually put the Titans in your top five, and I won't be mad at you. But I'm kind of low on Tennessee just because they don't really have a pass rush. And if you can't hit the quarterback, we're going against Ben Rosberger, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. That's a problem. And looking at that game versus Cincinnati, it was ugly for the Tennessee Titans. The Bengals have the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. They argue the worst offensive line in football. And the Titans, they got zero sacks on the Cincinnati Bengals. They could not expose the worst offensive line in football, arguably, at least one of the five worst offensive lines. So that was, that's concerning. And the, and the Titans... They barely beat the Jaguars. They barely beat the Vikings. They barely beat the Texans, and they barely beat the Broncos. And when they and when they faced Pittsburgh, despite that game being close, Pittsburgh clearly was the better team, in my opinion. So they're at number nine. Arizona, last but not least, this team is kind of the knockoff version of the Seahawks. They're just way too dependent on Kyler Murray. I know their top ten is scoring as far as defense goes this year, but they faced the 49ers, who have been banged up all year. They faced an inconsistent Washington team. They faced an inconsistent Detroit team, inconsistent Carolina team, the terrible New York Jets, the terrible Dallas Cowboys, and they did beat Seattle, but it took everything in Kyler Murray's power to pull off that win versus Seattle. So I just think that Arizona eventually is going to run out of gas. They're a playoff team, but they're number 10 for me. So those are the 10 best teams in all football as we speak today, halfway through the season. Let me know what you guys think in the comments section if you're watching on YouTube. Love to know what you guys have to say. Okay. Up next, I'm going to give you my Super Bowl 55 contenders. We're at the halfway point, and I believe there are five teams that can win Super Bowl 55. Okay. Now, there are four teams I consider for this Super Bowl, for my Super Bowl bubble. Those teams are the Saints, the Titans, the Rams, and the Ravens. Those teams are on the outside looking in. Those teams could easily win the Super Bowl, but I just think those four teams are missing something. Drew Brees, to me, is not quite the same quarterback that he once was. They have, the Saints have an inconsistent defense. The Titans don't have much of a pass rush. They've gotten fat on bad teams. Same thing with the Rams. They've gotten fat on bad teams. Outside of being Chicago, they've not had an impressive win all year. They're very inconsistent. And the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson's great and dynamic, but when it's time to put up or shut up in the playoffs, I cannot trust Lamar Jackson in this team. And like I mentioned earlier, they will have to beat Kansas City. They will have to beat Pittsburgh, and they will probably have to beat Tennessee to get to the Super Bowl. And those three teams over the last three years have given the Baltimore Ravens problems. So, can't trust the Ravens to win a Super Bowl. The following five teams are the teams I 100% confident that if they get enough breaks, they can win the Super Bowl. One of the following five teams is going to win Super Bowl 55. The Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Seattle Seahawks. And what do all five of these teams have in common? These are my five Super Bowl teams halfway through the season, okay? These, these are the five teams that I believe are the true Super Bowl 55 contenders. What do all these teams have in common? They have quarterbacks that I can trust to win big games. Patrick Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger has won a Super Bowl, multiple Super Bowls. Russell Wilson, he's won a Super Bowl, been to multiple Super Bowls. And Tom Brady, we know what he's about when it comes to Super Bowls. 
Why look at the running backs on all these teams? Green Bay, they have a star running back. Kansas City, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Le'Veon Bell, they're pretty good. By the way, Green Bay's running back is Aaron Jones. For those of you that don't know who he is, okay? If you don't know who Aaron Jones is, you need to pay attention because he's really good, okay? But Kansas City, Green Bay, good run game. Pittsburgh, you know what's interesting? Because the Pittsburgh Steelers probably have the worst run game out of all these teams, but because Pittsburgh's offensive line is so good, it really doesn't matter who you plug in at running back, whether it's Benny Snell or James Conner, they can run the football effectively. Not to mention Ronald Jones. He's had a great year for Tampa Bay. And when the Seattle Seahawks get their entire running back core fully healthy, they have, they have a very good run game as well. The offensive lines. Green Bay, really good offensive line. Kansas City, really good offensive line. Pittsburgh, really good offensive line. Tampa Bay, much improved offensive line. And Seattle, I mentioned how their offensive line was not ranked very high according to Pro Football Focus earlier. That offensive line can get by. It's a good enough offensive line to win a Super Bowl. It's no longer a liability for this team. The wide receiver core, the weapons for this team, the Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams, he's special. Now, I do worry about Green Bay supporting cast outside of Devontae Adams, but there's been a lot of other teams that have won Super Bowls that did not have a Devontae Adams on their squad. So you can win a Super Bowl with the wide, with the wide receiver core that Green Bay has. Kansas City, we know they have A-plus weapons. Same thing with the Steelers, they have weapons galore. The Buccaneers, they have weapons galore. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for Seattle, you can get by with those guys. Defensively, for these teams, Tampa Bay, they have a great defense. Pittsburgh, they have a great defense. Kansas City, they have a very good defense. Not a great defense, but a very good defense. And while Green Bay and Seattle have struggled at times on defense, I look at some of the players they have. Seattle, they got Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. You look at Green Bay, they got Jair Alexander, the Smith brothers, Kenny Clark. I can see a scenario where if Seattle and Green Bay, if their defenses just hold teams to under 30 points in the in, during their run to the during their run to the Super Bowl, they can win the whole thing. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are good enough to win a Super Bowl if you hold teams to under 30 points. Will that happen? Maybe, maybe not. We shall see. So there you have it. One of the following five teams will win Super Bowl 55. The Green Bay Packers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, let me focus in on Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. So, recently I came out and I said that Drew Brees is no longer a top 10 quarterback in 2020. I basically said that Drew Brees, as we speak today in 2020, among all the starting quarterbacks, he does not rank in the top 10. I'm not talking about Drew Brees' all-time status. I still think Drew Brees is one of the five to seven greatest quarterbacks of all time. At worst, a top 10 quarterback of all time. Drew Brees is a legend. He's going to go down as a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's well-deserved. But as of right now, I think that Drew Brees is kind of a little bit washed and that he's no longer a top 10 quarterback. And a lot of Saints fans got mad at me, and they deemed me as a New Orleans Saints hater. You hate the Saints. You don't give Saints any credit. I understand why, because it is kind of a hot take. A lot of people think that Drew Brees is still a top 10 quarterback. And listen, if you believe that, that's fine. You know, we can we can agree to disagree. But I want to focus in on Drew Brees, and I want to appreciate Drew Brees and his career up to this point. Because I actually think Drew Brees' career, to a certain degree, might be a little bit underrated. 
So let's talk about it. Well, actually, let's not let's 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 focus in on Drew Brees right now because what Drew Brees is doing as of right now should not be being done. It's very rare that a quarterback is still playing at a relatively high level at age 41. And in season number 20, Drew Brees, through eight games played, has a has a 73% completion percentage, 1,898 yards, 13 touchdowns, and three interceptions, and a 106.5 pass rating. Drew Brees is having an excellent season. And outside of, you know, Brett Favre and Tom Brady and Drew Brees, not a lot of quarterbacks are playing at a high level into their 40s. And Drew Brees has accomplished that. He deserves a lot of credit for taking care of his body, for eating, for, for having the right diet, having the right workout regimen, for getting his body in shape and ready to go for an NFL season, and for just lasting this long. Outside of last year, when Drew Brees missed a couple, couple of weeks, when's the last time Drew Brees has ever been injured in his career? Drew Brees, he's one of the most consistently durable quarterbacks of all time. And he deserves a lot of praise for that because Drew Brees, you can't question his, his work ethic. You can't question his leadership. And you can't question the fact that this guy is very consistent and that he's going to be ready to play on Sundays more times than not. The best ability is availability. And when we look at Drew Brees' career, Drew Brees is the all-time leader in passing yards as we speak today, heading into week eight of the, heading into week nine, pardon me, heading into week nine of the 2020 NFL season. He's second to Tom Brady in touchdown passes at all time as we speak today. And by the way, he and Tom Brady are kind of, you know, flip-flopping every single week because Tom Brady, right now, he's still playing. Drew Brees, right now, is still playing. Tom Brady has, as of right now, in 2020, has one more career touchdown pass than Drew Brees. Drew Brees could pass Tom Brady, you know, by the end of uh, this week if he, if he has a good game. You know, things of that nature. So they're battling out for the touchdown pass lead. But, you know, the fact that Drew Brees is top three all-time in completion percentage, he's first all-time in completion percentage, by the way, the fact that Drew Brees is top three all-time in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and completion percentage, and this guy was the last pick of the second round in 2001, that is ultimately defying the odds. It really is. Not a single person, maybe outside of Drew Brees and his family, thought that Drew Brees, when he was coming out of Purdue, a basketball school, by the way, not a football powerhouse school, a basketball and an academic school, okay, Purdue. When Drew Brees was coming out of Purdue, no one expected him to be an elite quarterback. No one did. You know, there are probably some scouts out there that probably felt that way, but a majority of NFL scouts felt that Drew Brees was just going to be an okay quarterback. Well, guess what? Drew Brees, he's defied the odds. And the reason why Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield were all drafted, the reason they were drafted was because of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is the first short quarterback to really ever break through and dominate the NFL. A lot of people felt that you could not be a successful NFL quarterback if you were you know, barely six feet tall. And Drew Brees, he's barely six feet tall. But he defied the odds. And Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and Kyler Murray, and all the shorter NFL quarterbacks that are in the NFL today, you know, that are, that are barely six foot or below six feet tall, they can thank Drew Brees 
for changing the game of football and the quarterback position by him breaking through and defying the odds. And Drew Brees, he went to the Chargers, and the Chargers chose Phillip Rivers over Drew Brees. And while Phillip Rivers, he's had a great career, not even close to Drew Brees on the all-time list. He's not even close. And Drew Brees, he is New Orleans. He means everything to the New Orleans Saints franchise because before Drew Brees got there, the New Orleans Saints were arguably the Cleveland Browns of the South. They were they were awful, but Drew Brees turned them around along with Sean Payton, and he won the New Orleans Saints a Super Bowl. So Drew Brees, he is that franchise. He's the savior of New Orleans, and he's a guy that was a second-round pick that was passed on by a lot of NFL teams, that was passed on by the team that drafted him after three years. You know, after about three or four years, the Chargers said, hey, we like Phillip Rivers over Drew Brees. And Drew Brees ended up having a much better career than Phillip Rivers. Nothing against nothing against Phillip Rivers, but not on Drew Brees' level, like I said. So ultimately, I got to say, man, we got to appreciate Drew Brees. We have to, because when Drew Brees is gone, we're probably all going to miss him. And we can all thank Drew Brees for the memorable moments of him breaking records on Monday Night Football. We can all thank Drew Brees for breaking through and being a short quarterback that succeeded because we would not be watching Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and the Baker Mayfields of the world today if it were not for Drew Brees. He's the reason why we're watching those guys today. He really is, okay? And as far as the Saints winning the Super Bowl this year, I don't know if the Saints can win the Super Bowl this year just because their defense has some holes in 2020. You know, uh, they barely beat the Chargers. They lost to the Packers. They lost to the Raiders. They barely beat the Panthers. They barely beat the Lions. I don't think the Saints are a great football team as we speak today in 2020. I believe they're a very good football team. But if I could get behind any type of story, I could get behind Drew Brees going out on a high note and retiring after he wins the second Super Bowl in 2020. I would be so happy for Drew Brees if he goes out there and wins Super Bowl 55 and adds a second Super Bowl to his resume. Because as of right now, it kind of feels weird to say that the all-time passing yards leader, that the all-time completion percentage leader, that a guy that a guy that's you know top three all-time in touchdown passes, they only has one Super Bowl. And I understand Mickey Loomis and the Saints have given Drew Brees every single opportunity to win a Super Bowl the last three to four seasons based on the roster that he's been given. But for the most part, throughout Drew Brees' career, he's not had a Super Bowl roster. So I really am actually rooting for Drew Brees. I want Drew Brees to succeed, and I will be more than happy if Drew Brees proves me wrong and wins Super Bowl 55 this season. And if he adds a second Super Bowl to his resume, if anyone is underappreciated in the NFL, I got to say, it's arguably Drew Brees. We must appreciate and enjoy Drew Brees while he's still playing at a high level today because I guarantee you the game of football will miss Drew Brees once he hangs up the cleats and once he retires. Salute to Drew Brees. He's definitely been an underappreciated athlete. He's defied the odds. I'm rooting for Drew Brees more times than not, 100%. Well, people, that's going to wrap things up for episode number 23 of the Juice Alert. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. I'll be back with more great te- with more great content over the next couple of days. I thank you all for tuning in today. Have a God-blessed day. Stay safe, everyone. Stay motivated. And I'm Ghost. 
Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the Juice Alert Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also, a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. And I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really truly grows. Or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juice Alert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a God-blessed day and I'm out.